0: Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically... Helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the
1: top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like... And I'm sure it's, it feels just
0: right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil, to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic.
1: The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paperlike products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So to pick up your paper like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click buy paperlike and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com ajax to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today?
0: AJAX,
2: to bring back his body. Ah! Terminator, Terminator X! X
0: Go! 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 Hello everybody and a welcome to War Rocket AJAX. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims, with me as always it's Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you?
1: Chris, I am doing... Very well. How are you on this
0: summer evening? It is quite warm here. I, you trapped me in this again. You said summer. You didn't. Ha- you could have just said, I'm okay, and not talked about the weather at all. Well, I'm I'm trapped now, Matt. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine.
1: I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. I'm, I'm also doing, doing okay, and uh, I'm excited. Chris, to start
0: a new adventure with you on this episode. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, Matt, and that is what we have today.
1: Yes, 25 years ago exactly, in July 1998, Dan Jurgens kicked off what ended up being a lengthy six-year run on Thor. And we're going to start reading it on this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm I
0: very excited.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize that it was actually July 1998 that this run started, but it was. And so yeah, yeah. we are starting our reread of the Dan Jurgens Thor, exactly 25 years. Exactly on the 25th anniversary.
0: That's that's honestly very exciting. Yes. Uh, you and I, I think we have talked about... Uh, we've been planning this for a while, because we wanted to do it uh, well before we finished the Mark Grunwald Captain America run, the Grunies. Because you and I both really like this run and think this run's really underrated... And I'm very curious to see if we if we are going to continue thinking that
1: there are things that maybe don't hold up as well as I remembered, but only time will
0: tell. Right? Only to, we'll have to yeah. to actually dive in. It should be an interesting one for us to to figure out and to talk about. I'm very excited about it. Also, Dan Juergens, writer for the whole thing. This run is Dan Juergens and John Romita Jr., so it looks good. Yeah. I will say this,
1: as I remember, this run finishes in such a different place than where it starts.
0: Yeah, I know we get kind of a, a climax in 25 uh-huh. that is pretty, like I've recently read those issues and they're pretty good. So I'm curious to see what what we do after that.
1: Yeah. I think we'll maybe inadvertently end up comparing the run to the Groonies quite a bit as well, but but we'll see as we get into it. Mm -hmm. Before we get into issue one of Thor, volume two, Chris, we do have some business to take care of, and that first order of business is thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon.
0: That's right, Matt. Now these are the people. Unless I am misremembering, these are the people who have gone all the way down to, uh, what is it, I I guess it's 645 Gimmick Street. That's right. They've gone all the way down there, Matt, And of course, you know what's there. You remind the audience what's there. I was just about to say that I really appreciate that you have, have like, shouldered the burden of that for a little while. Uh Uh-huh. Where where I've been like, Matt, you know what's down there, and you'll throw something out, and I've appreciated that about you. <laughs> I feel like
1: sometimes you have somewhere in mind, though, and then when I say the place, you're like,
0: oh. <laughs> Matt, here's a little secret. I never have a place in mind.
1: I see. Okay.
0: Not okay. until it comes out of my mouth do well, I know where we're going.
1: Well, I know what's there, Chris. It's the t-shirt printers.
0: It's the t-shirt printers, of course. Not the ones that won't refuse. No not not the ones that will refuse to uh print a celebrity using the term pretty loosely uh on a t shirt without likeness rights. A public figure. A public figure, yeah. Yeah. Not that t this is a different t shirt place yeah. that absolutely will print whoever and whatever. <laughs> That's right, and that's what's basically- good there. If you get on there, you can uh, you can browse around, maybe get some t-shirts, maybe get something printed, you know, uh, to do all kinds of stuff. But make sure that before you go down to, to the t-shirt printing place, which is actually called the t-shirt printing place, you gotta go to Patreon.com/slash Warrock Ajax and kick in as little as a dollar a month. That's right. That helps us pay those gimmicks they keep sending them alcohol bills
1: that's right Chris and I actually don't have any new names to read on the show some people have adjusted their pledges our our patron number has gone up I think because some people's like cards had expired or whatever and and they re-upped those so we are currently at 403 patrons which means we're 17 away from the Funny Weed number. We have been at the Funny Weed number in the past, and we would love to get back there again. But thank you to all 403 active patrons on our Patreon. We do very much appreciate your support. And if you're able to support us there and get us to the Funny Weed number, we would thank you on the show, uh, whatever the amount that you decide to kick in. And you can get other cool stuff as well. You can get, for one, ad-free episodes of all of our shows. And you'll be supporting all of our shows. That includes this show every week. It includes Movie Fighters and Snack Situation. It includes Comics Catch-Up and Every Story Ever. The Every Story Ever special, which will be coming out. Well, actually, it's probably already out for July by the time this episode goes up. So... If any of that sounds like your cup of tea, like you would like to get those shows ad-free, help us out on Patreon. You can also get bonus content that includes bonus audio, as well as writing that Chris does. The bonus audio can include outtakes from the show, stuff that I cut out, or stuff that we record, especially for the Patreon. There are physical rewards you can get by being a patron. Uh, Everyone in the t-shirt club currently should have by now their 2023 t-shirt. and
0: uh, That's why you went down to 645 Gimmick Street.
1: That's right. That's right. I had to go down to 645 Gimmick Street, get all those shirts printed, and then mail them out to all of our uh, Patreon supporters at the t-shirt level. So everybody who should be getting one of those shirts should have one. I still have some select sizes left. So if you are at that level and you didn't send me your size or your address hasn't been updated, let me know, and I'll get you a shirt if you're at that level. Chris, I'm coming to visit you soon, and I will be bringing you a shirt for this year. I'm very excited. Um, I think I might be bringing you last year's shirt, too. I don't know if you ever got a shirt for last year. What was
0: last year's shirt?
1: It was the uh, Holiday Heat 10th Anniversary shirt.
0: Oh, I have got that one. I've I've definitely got that one.
1: Okay, so I'll bring you this year's shirt for sure. Uh,
0: If you want any of that stuff,
1: help us out on Patreon. We would really appreciate it. You also support the show. If you can't help us monetarily, which I know that that is a thing people can't necessarily do right now. Not everybody. uh, There are other ways to help us out. You can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. Or you can just tell your friends about the show and uh, let them know by word of mouth, that there's a podcast that they should listen to. With that, Chris, it's time to do some checks and wrecks. What do you say? Let's do it. So come on and and yourself
0: before you yourself.
1: Chris, what do you have to check in with this week? I've done it to
0: myself again.
1: <laughs> and this is not forcing yourself to talk about the weather.
0: No, no. Okay. But I, it seems I can't stop. Blundering into these traps <laughs> that I that are of no one's making but mine. There's a theme to my check and wreck this week. See so if you can sort it out what it is. I mentioned it on the show, but I recently finished uh, a very long uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign uh, that I was running. Uh, that was two years and two months in the 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 total length that we were playing this one campaign. Yeah. It was the first campaign uh, that I. It was the first campaign I've ever run where I wrote everything. Uh, so okay, no module. Used an, I used an existing setting, but I I wrote all the adventures, the NPCs, all that was was mine. And uh, it was complicated. It went really well. My favorite uh, group of player characters. Uh, my my game group really enjoyed it. Uh, but it was a lot to juggle plot twists, NPCs, romances, all kinds of stuff. And I told my group, I was like, look, I'm excited about running the next one. But I had some ideas, and I am not going to do those ideas. I am going to do basically a Dragon Quest game. The Everyone who says they're your friend is your friend. There will be no plot twists. And the bad guy will be, I don't know, some guy named, like, Malroth or whatever. Just doing it Dragon Quest style. <laughs> Get out of here with your Final Fantasy. We're we're DQing it. We're Dairy Queen. <laughs> Dragon Quest, Dairy Queen. That's what we're doing. Everybody. Here's, here's the problem with that, Matt. Okay. That activated something in my brain. And my brain went... You know what would be funny, actually, is if, since you're doing, like, you said you were going to do, like, a Dragon Quest thing. If you went and got art for all of Akira Toriyama's designs from the Dragon Quest series over the past, like, you know, he's been designing monsters over the past 30 years, but they're they're still in use. So basically, go get all the monsters from, like, Dragon Quest uh, eleven. And, like, all the big boss monsters that have been in, like, other games that you can get, like, good art of. And why don't you replace every monster token on Roll20 with a custom one that you've made with a Kira art? And I went, you're right, that does sound pretty funny. I should do that. And then my brain was like, hey, you know how you're already making a dashboard for the players to keep track of things like quests and and and, and wh- where they are and what's going on and all that? Uh, you should probably scrap the one that you've already made, which is already complicated, <laughs> and replace it with, with using art from the Dragon Quest mobile game. And then you should also redo the entire world map so it looks a little bit more in tune with that. And then, you know how you've already made custom item art uh, for all of the items in the game? like weapons and magic items and potions and such. You know what? Throw all the ones that you did over the past two years, throw those away. Remake them using...
2: Everything's gotta match the aesthetic. Everything has to match. So redo it all.
0: I did it to myself, Matt. Wow. Wow. Now, fortunately, if I can recommend... If you are going to completely reskin your D&D game and give it an entirely new aesthetic, and you do want something that's a little versatile, it does help that Akira Toriyama has been designing Dragon Quest characters for 30 years. Uh So, there's enough of it out there to do it.
2: That is also the problem. There's enough of it out there that I've done it. I, I do these things to myself,
0: Matt. Uh, but hey, could a depressed person do all this? Good question. Good question. That's my question for you. Uh, they, We have yet to even start this campaign. My group is already appreciative of what I am doing. So they are, they are doing the exact right thing. It is just, I have done this to myself once again. What have you been up to this week, Matt? I have also
1: started a project. Uh, I finished a and d game. That I was not DMing. I was a player in. Uh, that also lasted about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Very recently. And I said after that, I'm, I'm taking a break from D&D. Break time. And so I was like, what if... I started streaming a video game again, which I had not done in a while. So I did that, and now I am streaming the remake of Resident Evil 4 over on my YouTube channel. I know some people who listen to the show like to go watch my uh, streams of video games over on my YouTube channel. So you can go check that out. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes uh my YouTube channel is fairly easy to find if you search Matt D Wilson on YouTube and just go to channels uh I think it should come up pretty quickly yeah it it's the first thing that comes up when you search for Matt D Wilson on YouTube um but uh I am 9 parts into my Resident Evil 4 remake playthrough and I have finally decided what to call my streaming on YouTube because kind of accidentally everything I've played streaming has been like a horror game or a survival horror game. Because I started with Resident Evil 8, then I played Alan Wake, then I played Fatal Frame Maiden of Blackwater, and now I'm playing Resident Evil 4. So those, those videos are called Never Been Scared because I've never been scared
0: because you've never been scared.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so that's that is that is the series of videos and uh and I'm having fun. I I haven't played Resident Evil 4 since its release on the GameCube in 2005. And the remake makes some pretty big changes anyway. So it's sort of like I'm playing for the first time uh over there on the stream. So Uh, If you would like to check that out, I invite you to check that out. Chris, time for some recommendations. What do you have to recommend?
0: Uh, Matt, I said there was a theme. Uh And there is indeed a theme. And that theme is Dragon Quest, but not in the way that you might think. You might be thinking, oh, Chris, are you playing Dragon Quest Treasures? Oh, Chris, are you playing Dragon Quest Heroes? Oh, Chris, did you somehow get an early copy of Dragon Quest The Adventures of Die Infinity Strash? (laughs) <laughs> which is coming out next month. No, I didn't. But I could. If you're out there and and you want a reputable influencer like me to play Dragon Quest Adventure Die Infinity Strash, Holla at your Boy. Uh what I am playing is Yakuza Like a Dragon.
1: Yes, I have that game d- downloaded, but I have not actually gotten around to playing it yet.
0: Uh for those of you who may not know. Uh, the, the deal with this game, the Yakuza games, I tried to describe them to somebody and I was like, they're like Grand Theft Auto, except there's no driving and you can't be an asshole. And I then realized that that's, like I said, it's like Pac-Man, but there's no mazes or ghosts or dots. (laughs) Uh, but it's, you know, they're open world-ish crime games, uh that that do have like a, a fight. There's a lot of fighting. They're action games, but the fights don't happen at random. The fights are kind of triggered and then you go into like a fight mode uh, in order to to deal out violence. You can't just run around and hit whoever you want, uh, which uh, is the subject of a really interesting video about Yakuza by uh, Super Patch Wolf, a uh, War Rocket Ajax favorite content creator. But the deal with this one is that it's a turn-based RPG, Like, it's the same game, but with JRPG mechanics instead of brawler mechanics. And the way that is explained in the storyline is that the main character is like, yeah, I'm really into Dragon Quest. So whenever I fight, like, I like to imagine that I'm the hero of a Dragon Quest game. And that's why I let other people hit me. That's why I let them take their attacks. Because in my mind... I am I am in a JRPG. Which is some clutch ludon- ludonarrative convergence. I love that.
1: <laughs> the <laughs> opposite of ludonarrative dissonance. Yes. Yeah.
0: That that this guy Like, yeah, this plays like a Dragon Quest game because I that's how I am imagining it. Uh it's very fun. It has The exact same kind of quest, the exact same kind of humor, and honestly, the exact same flaws as every other Dragon Quest game. Or not every other Dragon Quest, every other Yakuza game. Uh, Which means, by and large, it is pretty good. Uh, And certainly highly enjoyable. I can recommend it. Uh, It's it's probably not where I would start with Yakuza if you haven't played Yakuza. But it's definitely a good good addition once you have like a handle on the series and how it works. Uh, and also, like, folks, if you like mini-games, they're all back. And they're all in this one again. There's some new ones, even. So do check that out if you would like. Um, it is frequently on sale, as most of the Yakuza games are. Uh, that's one of the reasons I haven't gotten the latest one, Ishin, yet. Because I got... I got like one through six for like five bucks. <laughs> so I'm holding off. But uh, it is worth picking up. Uh, honestly, probably worth picking up at full price at this point. If you if you like those games a lot. So check it out. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Also, apparently, I thought the joke was that the title referred to him saying to, to the fact that it plays like a dragon quest game. Uh-huh. But it turns out that that series is called Like a Dragon in Japan, and this was the game where they're kind of like, like up to that they were called Yakuza, and now they're just going to be called Like a Dragon, whatever, going forward. So that's the one where they they kind of flipped it. I honestly, I like my version of that reality a little bit better. <laughs> I like bits, Matt. We both
1: are. Known proponents of bits.
0: Known bits, boys. Yes. You and I. Uh, what do you have to recommend to the people today, Matt? Well, Chris, as
1: listeners may know, uh, there is a, an ongoing writers and actors strike. There is a WGA and SAG strike going on. So even though I saw Barbie on release weekend, I cannot recommend it. Okay, but like but that movie's done. But part of the deal is you can't promote products from struck studios.
0: Okay. Okay. And
1: nobody's more struck than Warner Brothers.
0: Okay. All right.
1: So uh even though I saw Barbie It will not be my recommendation uh, this week. And, in fact, I will talk about it no further. Because podcasters have been asked to not talk about and promote stuff from Struck Studios. So I'm going to talk about something that I'm pretty sure I am safe to talk about. Because not only is it done, it was made in Australia. Okay. And I don't think there's any conflict of interest here. Uh it is a show that you can stream right now on the bad shopping website Prime streaming service. And but it was not produced by them. I don't think. It may have been. But it's Australian. So I hopefully it's fine. Uh anyway, it's called Deadlock and so it much is a
0: lot of hedging going on
2: here. Yeah,
1: I know. It's called Deadlock and it, it was uh it's a like an 8 episode Australian series that is a parody satire it's a funny version of all of those like british investigative mystery crime shows like uh broad church or top of the hill but all of the characters in those shows that would be men or straight women are all lesbians. I like it already. Yeah, it's set in uh the Australian state of Tasmania. It um features like the the lead cop in the show is Dulcie is her name. Um she's a lesbian. Then like there's this whole thing about how this big shot detective is coming up, coming in from the big city. Uh, to help solve the case uh, that is that's running throughout the season, and her name is Eddie, and so everyone assumes she's a man, and then she shows up, and the detective is also a woman. Uh, and what's great about the show is that it's funny without being like too silly. Like it is in some ways a parody of those shows I mentioned, but it's not just like silliness. It also has an interesting worthwhile mystery that they follow throughout the season. It's more just characters, the way characters react to things, you know, how like on, on Broadchurch or whatever, or even like, uh, Oh, what was that show? Kate Winslet was on that was set in Philly. Now I got to look it up, but, um, like on those shows, Everybody reacts to everything with like grave seriousness, right? On this show, people react. Mirror of Easttown is what that show is called. People react like much more naturally. It feels like kind of like what the fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: One of my favorite <laughs> comedy tropes.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's all about the way characters react to things. And the way they behave more so, it's it's a, it's a sort of a tonal thing rather than a we're just going to be silly, silly, silly all the time. Um, so if that sounds fun to you, I think it's a super fun show. Um, go check out uh, Deadlock on Bad Streaming Website Prime. Um, made in Australia. Made in Australia. So I don't think strike affected. If I'm wrong about that, I apologize, but I think I'm okay. Chris, those are our checks and wrecks. We're going to skip the comic segment this week. Uh, we read some good books: uh, Avengers, Hulk, both good. Amazing Spider-Man, good. But we can talk about future issues of those series because we got a lot of Thor to talk about.
0: A lot of Thor from 1998 to talk about. So let's jerky into mystery. Let's do it. Where were you in July of 1998,
1: Matt? I was living with my parents in Shelby, North Carolina. I was 15, and I was psyched about this Thor run.
0: Sorry, I just realized I shouldn't have asked that question. (laughs) Why is that? Why don't you ask me that question? Okay, Chris, where were you in July of 1998? Well, I was getting over the recent death of my father. (laughs) Yeah. Who was always a big fan of Marvel Comics Thor.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did you read this run as it was coming out?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Uh, At the time, I was reading Cap... Uh, but I didn't get into this run of Thor while it was happening. It wasn't until a couple of years later, probably when I started working at the comic book store that I put together this run and, and really dove into it and gave it a read. I definitely read. I read the second issue because I always remember the last page wrong. I remember what it should be and not what it is. Okay, we'll
1: get to that when we get to the second issue. Then we'll, we'll, well get to I what don't you think.
0: Know. I read the first one.
1: <laughs> we'll get to what you think the the end of the second issue should be. So, for people who don't know, for listeners who weren't around and buying comics when we were fifteen and sixteen years old, here's some history, some background for you about this Thor run. So Thor. The the original Thor title started as Journey into Mystery and did not become Thor volume 1 until issue number 126. So there was never a Thor issue 1 until this Thor number 1. And this Thor number 1 was heavily promoted as being Thor's first-ever number-one issue. I remember seeing ads for that in Marvel Comics leading up to this, but also in Wizard Magazine monthly. Several months building up to this release of Dan Jurgens and John Romita Jr.'s Thor number one. That original Thor series, Thor volume one,
2: ended with Thor number 502 Yeah, not not, not five hundred. <laughs> they didn't stop it at five hundred. <laughs> they did two more.
0: <laughs> well, why would you stop it at five hundred, Matt? That would be silly.
1: Yes, uh, but that happened in September nineteen ninety six to make way for the Heroes Reborn reboot of Avengers, Captain America, Fantastic Four, and Iron Man. Notably, there was not a Thor title. Among those, also the last issue of Thor number five hundred and two had the same cover blurb as the last the last issue of Mark Grunwald's Captain America: Farewell to a Living Legend. Or no, that was it was Mark Wade's Captain America on the first time. It said Farewell to a Living Legend, just like that.
0: A lot of a lot of living legends getting got by the events of Onslaught, man. Yes. But there was not a standalone
1: Thor title in Heroes Reborn. There was just the four books. Captain America, Avengers, Iron Man, Fantastic Four. When Heroes Reborn ended and Heroes Return started, those four same books relaunched. But there wasn't a Thor book that relaunched. So there was six months. All of those four books that were part of the Heroes Reborn relaunched in January of 1998. Thor didn't relaunch until July of 1998. So there was a six-month period where the previous four books were running, but there was no Thor, no Thor book. There also wasn't a Thor book during Heroes Reborn. So there was a little over a year and a half where there was no Thor title at all. Mm-hmm. Then the relaunch with a number one, Thor's first ever number one, was this huge event. And it was so heavily promoted. And I loved John Ramita Jr. because of the Spider Man books that I had been reading. He'd been drawing Peter Parker Spider Man for several years up to that point. So when this Thor book started getting promoted, I got so hype, not just because I was excited for John Romita Jr. drawing the store comic, and also Dan Jurgens writing it. Because I, who didn't know about Dan Jurgens' Superman work at that point, Dan yeah. Jurgens, the guy who killed Superman,
0: Wait, Dan Jurgens, who I was still writing Superman at this time. He was okay. Yeah, because '98 was the Blue Costume year. That's right. That's right. Uh which I did a uh I did a, a series of columns examining to see if it was actually as bad and and late nineties trash as everyone treats it like it is. The answer is it's not good, <laughs> but it's it's fine. Uh but yeah. Dan Jurgens, arguably the most successful writer of the nineties. Just based on the sales figures of Death of Superman, yeah, yeah, just based on Death of Superman. But then also the fact that you know he did Superman for essentially the rest of that decade until the ninety nine soft relaunch uh, with Joe Kelly and Jeff Loeb. Uh, He was on the books up till ninety nine.
2: Yeah, so he was writing
1: he was writing this Thor book and Superman concurrently for. About a year,
0: maybe? Yeah. yeah. And again, like you said, who didn't know who that guy was? Especially, like, if you're reading Wizard Magazine, you know who that guy is.
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, so not only was I excited about the creative team, I was excited because there hadn't been a Thor comic up to that point. But also, like, the bottom had kind of fallen out of the speculators market by this time. <laughs>
0: but, well and truly.
1: Yeah, but... I was personally very excited about buying the first ever number one issue of Thor. Because I thought, when I was 15, that that mattered. So, I was so in the tank for this book. And I remember buying multiple copies of issue one. Not, like, different covers. And this was also the time when Marvel was putting out two covers of every number two
0: issue. Do you remember that? Brilliant. Yeah. Because you got, like, here, here's a little, here's a little comics retail fact that you might not know, listener. Number twos from the 90s and 2000s, those are the hard ones to find. Because everybody would order heavy on number one, and then they would literally cut that order in half for number two. So if you get those variant covers on number 2, then you give the people a reason to uh to, to order a few more.
1: Yeah. So I I bought both covers of number 2. I had like some kind of like sealed with a certificate of authenticity sketch cover of number 1. I was completely in the tank for this comic. I mean, that sounds pretty dope, honestly. Yeah. yeah, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. With that said, Chris, unless you have any other background
0: to provide, uh, I don't think I've got any other background to provide. But I am like, it is weird to me to have nostalgia for a book that I bought as back issues, <laughs> right? Because, like, I—I I mean, that was that was twenty years ago. At this point or or maybe a little more, yeah, uh, that I would have been reading this book, and you i like i I'm sure you have no small amount of nostalgia from reading it in nineteen ninety eight
1: yeah, for sure, yeah,
0: but yeah, for me, it's all like, oh remember, remember, remember when I was in my twenties, remember when I was getting all the back issues I wanted. <laughs>
1: Let's dive in to Thor number 1 collector's item first issue. That same graphic they put on every number 1 issue in 1998. That font they, I'll remember it till the day I die.
0: Buddy they love to let you know. Yeah. This is number 1 at the collector's item. Uh and I it, and it's it, that that big that big one. The big first, because DC had a very similar one when they did a number one, but it was just different enough.
1: Yeah. the 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 fact that it says collector's item is is the big the big funny thing to me
0: with that. But, it's funny to me because I didn't realize until you were talking about it that this is six months into Heroes Return. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this oh, is the
1: only, This is the only issue. That I think has the Hero's Return branding on it. At the top. I think you're right. Uh, and on it, it's it's also a gatefold cover. Well, it's not a gatefold. It was a cover that was front and back. Mm-hmm. And uh, on it, Thor is holding up his hammer, deflecting a blast from the Destroyer, who has apparently laid waste to the rest of the Avengers. Uh, the destroyer is holding Captain America and Scarlet Witch uh, by the by their their the scruff of their necks, and if you see Captain America's shield, it is not the round shield; it is the more traditionally shield shaped shield that Captain America had in his book at the time. Because his shield, the round shield, had gotten destroyed. That was happening in the Mark Wade book at that time.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'll that's like a yellow, yes. It's a good ass cover. It's a good ass cover. It's bright yellow. The yeah. logo really pops on it. It's a great John Romita Thor. Uh Like there's you know chips coming off of Milner. Like the colors are very attractive. There there's a uh, the variant for this one was the one with the big. Four hammer logo.
2: Yeah, it kind of
0: never got over, but that I do like. Well, all of the
1: all of the heroes Re- return books had variants that were known as sunburst variants, mm. where it was the character and then their logo in a big like burst of light underneath them.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a good cover. It's a great cover. I think it's it tells you what this book is from the get-go. Because here's my first point of comparison between this book and Mark Grunewald's Captain America. And I think this is the difference between 1985 and 1998. Mark Grunewald's Captain America starts a little slow, right? We observed yeah. that as we were reading it.
0: Because as, uh, as I think Grunewald talked about a bunch – it is not intended to be the start of a long run. It's just, you know, Mark Grimwall's writing Captain America this month, and then he kind of sticks around for the next for
2: the next hundred and fifty issues. Yeah.
1: This book hits the ground running. Bud Yeah, but it's like, what's up? Here's Thor. There's a hostage situation in the in a school. Let's let's get let's get going with the issue. Yeah. First thing. Cops and SWAT team surrounding a building in Midtown Manhattan that is like a regular fucking suburban daycare.
0: Very funny. <laughs> Very funny. I will say this is I don't think Dan Jurgens ever Gets the credit he really deserves as a writer, uh, which I think is probably fine because he probably gets the money he deserves. Like I, like Dan Jurgens sold a lot of comics when comics were selling a lot. That's what yeah. I'll say about that. He he probably like, did
1: better monetarily than most other comics creators of.
0: All time, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, especially I, when you consider that he also drew the Death of Superman. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I don't think he really gets the credit as a writer or as like a writer artist. Honestly, like he's never in the conversation with like Walt Simonson or John Byrne or Frank Miller. And I mean, those three examples, he probably shouldn't be. But he's also never in the conversation with like Mark Wade. And I think. I don't think he's written stories as good as Wade has, like, in general. I think, you know, Juergens' average is not as good as as Wade's average. But structurally, I think he very much, like, is of that... Like, when you read a Mark Wade first issue, it follows not a formula in a bad way, but, like compare this to literally the mark wade's first issue of captain america that opens with a hostage situation you know it's very much quick setup easy problem clear bad guy big entrance for the hero yeah
1: yeah it's it's big right it's not captain america coming in thinking about his problems It's Thor coming in, and everybody's saying, like, oh, shit, that's Thor. Because the first thing that happens – so there's this hostage situation at this daycare. There's a guy holding people in the daycare hostage, and he's demanding Thor, a personal audience with Thor. So Thor shows up, second page, huge splash page, Thor in all his glory, golden – surrounded by golden speed lines – he says his name in the logo, and the title of the issue is In Search of the Gods. Like, Thor shows up and he's glorious, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and this is also like a counter – Thor has been in Avengers for six months before this, so it's not like he hasn't been around. But this is also like a statement of like, hey, fucking Jack Kirby Thor is back. Yeah. Because at the end, like right before Heroes Reborn and then throughout Heroes Reborn, like Thor looked different. You know, they tried to 90s
0: up Thor. Thor might have had the worst 90s costume. We don't really talk about it that much because it wasn't around very long. The the but Boy, the it was Mike, a rough one. Mike Diodato yeah. costume. Pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. But yeah. I, I like – you read this digitally, right? I I read it on Marvel Unlimited, yes. Marvel Unlimited. In print, I'm ninety percent sure this is a sideways double page splash. You might be right. I don't I don't remember. I'm almost certain. That I also read it on Marvel Unlimited. But uh like this image of Thor is so good and the way that he acts like 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 you're right. But it does two really cool things, I think. Like Again, two really good structural things. uh, Which is that it sets Thor up as a god. Like, in search of the gods. Thor, god of thunder. Like, the topic of discussion for the bystanders in this comic is, Hey, is he really a god? Like he calls himself a god. That's pretty whack. Like that's what people are talking about.
1: Yeah, and then when so, sh- he shows up, they're like, "It's really him." I didn't know he was so big.
0: At one, yeah, at one point they they say he's like he's got to be like six six folks. The second tallest person he is in a scene with, the top of their head comes to just under Thor's chin.
1: Yeah, uh, I love the I love the dude who goes oot. Didn't
0: yeah. know he was so big. It makes what's going to happen in this issue and this run like really interesting because it's in some ways it is a step backwards. Like in one obvious way, it's a step backwards. But it is interesting to see Thor grapple with to, to set Thor up this way, and then have okay, but Thor needs to grapple with mortality in both senses of the word. Right. And I, think that, I think that's really cool. It's a. It's this is as. It's not the best first issue ever, but it is certainly as strong a first issue structurally as I think you're going to find.
1: My main criticism of it is that it doesn't get to the premise, like the obvious premise that Dan Jurgens had in his pocket and was promoting the book with up to this point of like, Thor's going to be tied to a mortal again. Because mm-hmm. that was big in the promotion for this book was like, "Hey, remember Doctor Don Blake when Thor had to like share time and body with Doctor Don Donald Blake?" Th- We're going back to that kind of thing, but now it's like a young paramedic, Jake Olson, and th- we don't get that at the end of this issue because we have to do the big action stuff before we get to that. So we don't get to that till the end of the second issue,
0: but yeah it's weird that that doesn't happen, but I mean we get something we get something big that if you didn't know what was gonna happen in this run, you wouldn't necessarily see this coming at the end for sure I, like, I'd be curious, you knowing about like Jake Olson and Thor's gonna be tied to Jake Olson and being like old enough that you kind of know how comics work? I wonder if you'd been like a little bit younger and hadn't been reading Wizard, how like how the end of this issue would have gotten you uh it's a good question i also wonder how the end of this issue would have would have hit
1: now and i also have another question about it that we'll get to when we get to the end of the issue uh so thor makes his way into the daycare to deal with this guy and he says if if it be a conversation with thor the scoundrel desires tis a conversation with thor he shall have Jurgens is definitely leaning on the Shakespeare talk here by the way. The Shakespeare talk has really kind of like faded away with Thor over the years, but it is all up in this run
0: yeah i it's it it is definitely like Jurgens wanting to draw a distinction between Thor and Jake Olson
1: yeah, definitely Which, you
0: know yeah makes sense. We go inside the daycare well from, where, we get uh, into
1: Jake Olson too. Jake Olson is here. Jake Olson, yeah. Jake Olson is here, awaiting like treating any injuries that may happen, and then Thor goes in the daycare. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, and wouldn't you know it, Alan Moore's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> he's taken over this dang daycare. He's holding hostages. Thor smashes through the wall of the daycare, which is very funny. <laughs> I do love it when a man busts a hole through a wall in comics. <sighs> There's no reason for him to do that. He's walking directly toward the door.
1: And then he smashes through the wall anyway. Yeah.
0: He has had an now, Matt. He has had an owl.
1: Um, he, he comes in and he says, what is going on? They say that you say you're from Asgard. But you can't be because everybody from Asgard is dead. Because... You know, editor's notes, Asgard got abandoned in Avengers number one.
0: Yeah, we didn't actually mention this. Um, This is one of two times that Thor ended and then the series continued as Journey into Mystery. So there was a Journey into Mystery like 503 and 504 uh, that was about the other Asgardians, I believe.
1: Yes, and, and in 514... They abandon Asgard. Yeah. Uh, and now it has fallen into complete ruin and has been abandoned. Um, but this guy is claiming to be Heimdall. And Thor is like, I don't think I believe you. But
0: I'll take you to Asgard with me anyway. I like think he's like I I kind of love this because he's like, Yeah, I don't think you're Heimdall, but I mean, you know. I once drank the ocean. <laughs> you know, I once I once had to race a fire to see who could eat more food. Yeah. So shit like this happens to me on the reg pretty much. That's not even getting into the time that I met the Zaniac, or the how there's a space horse me.
1: Look, there's a lot to account for. And yes. Thor Thor is, is he's gotta be sure that this is at Heimdall. So he's like, okay, we're going to we're going to Asgard. So they leave for Asgard. There's a quick one page scene of a box being unloaded at the docks and the box explodes because the destroyer is in there. A dude touches it. Yep. Yeah. And Jake Olson, who is treating the kids at the daycare. Heroic paramedic jake Olson uh he's he's getting called to the docks to deal with what's going on there, and
2: he's like, But my fiance's gonna kill me. I can't work anymore overtime Then there's a quick scene with hella, just to remind
1: you
0: of how fucking cool she is yeah she's she's in full Kirby glory here, oh. One of the best hats. like One of the all-time best hats.
1: I feel like a big part of the reason John Romita Jr. wanted to do this book is so he could draw some shit like Jack Kirby.
2: Yeah.
0: Cause, it does play to his strengths, for sure. Well,
1: we talk all the time about, like, oh, Romita's big influence is Frank Miller, right? Uh-huh. Because in like his Daredevil stuff and his Spider-Man stuff, it is very Miller-esque. And I think it makes you forget how much Kirby is in his style.
0: There's a lot of Kirby in him, which is yeah. weird when you consider how much he's drawn Spider-Man. Yeah.
1: I, I remember, like again, I remember reading interviews before the release of this book where John Romita was like, I I want an opportunity to cut loose and do some like bigger, bigger kinds of stories because I've been drawing Spider-Man for so long, and and here he is doing it um, and yeah. and really bringing out the Kirby. And basically, Hell is like, hey, I got to get Thor. I hope boy, Thor dies. <laughs> boy, I got to get Thor down here in Hell. Uh, so Thor and the guy. Who claims to be Heidel, they go to Asgard, we see Asgard in ruins. Rubita is killing, killing the art here. And the guy starts talking
0: not in Shakespeare talk. He starts talking normal. Yeah, he, he's been like, uh the the th- thine is fuck. <laughs> oh fuck, it's all real. <laughs> And that's when
1: Thor knows the guy is not Heimdall, and he's like, man, why'd you lie to me? And the guy's like, I'm sorry, I just wanted to see it. And Thor gets real dramatic for a minute, and he throws Mjolnir toward the ruins of Asgard, unwittingly freeing some prisoners. And then he goes into a whole thing about, like, I used to have friends. My friends used to live here and now they're all gone. Let me name some of them for you.
0: Let me say their logos. <laughs> yeah. Did you think did you think you were going to get logo font for Odin, Balder, Lady Sif, The Warriors 3, and Loki? Cuz you do.
1: Yeah, th- it's funny that these are all, these I think some of these characters have gotten solo titles since then, definitely Loki. And uh that ain't the logo. They got yeah, used. Yeah, I mean, they're but... they're
0: really just they're they're Comicraft fonts, <laughs> but you yeah. know, yeah, you couldn't just get those back in '98.
1: That's true. Also, death is is
0: highlighted, but it's not a logo. It's just big no, he's, and red. He just intense. Yeah, I love how much like the lettering in this is really good. Oh, I think, like the lettering in this is a hoot. It's it's Comicraft. Uh, David Landfair. Uh, using all them good Richard Starkings fonts. It's the same lettering that they were using in Avengers at the time. Oh yeah, this was like all the Marvel books at this time were like. I, I, surely I think they had like a contract with Comicraft because I I I don't recall at this time like there being any like Todd Klein or Tom Morzikowski style stuff. It was all this, but like. This lettering is is late is peak Marvel comics for me. It's so clean. It's it's it is some crisp lettering. Good job, Richard Starkings.
1: Yeah Good the the, the
0: only the only
1: complaint I have is that the the fancy looking Thor font is a little harder to read than regular comics lettering. Like you have to look at it for a little longer.
0: I. I have never liked that Thor speaks in a different font, because I think if you're doing the Shakespeare talk, which why wouldn't you, then that does the job. You it know? does It does serve a purpose here.
1: It does. It, it was already happening in Avengers. like it was part of his lettering. In Avengers, that he spoke in that font. But here it differentiates between him and Jake Olson.
0: It does. But, you know, like I, I just feel like, look, if John Workman didn't have to do it, then if John Workman could get away with not doing it, then you can too.
1: That's fair. Uh, so Thor forgives the guy for lying to him and says, all right, I'll take you back and and we'll get you dealt with. I'm going to take you to Jane Foster, who can help you. So there's a scene where Thor arrives back with the guy, and he's like, Here, Jane Foster, help this guy. You're a doctor now. And there's a whole scene that establishes that Jane Foster isn't just Thor's girlfriend anymore. Now she's a doctor.
0: But she's, but she's not even Thor's girlfriend. No, she's not. She she's, hasn't been for quite some time, yeah. She's got a new
1: fiance in fact. Husband! But, yeah, that's right, husband. She's married. But,
0: um... Th- I, I just, do like Thor says in this scene. This is, like, the... It is... I mean, it's on purpose. It's gotta be on purpose, but it's... Lady Jane Foster, I was told you practiced my trade of nursing
2: here.
1: And then she says, it's Dr. Jane Foster now. It's, I'm a doctor now. Thor. Yeah. Also she looks John Romita Jr. I guarantee was looking at a picture of Angelina Jolie when he drew Jane Foster on this page. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 1998 Angelina Jolie with the chin. It is exactly uh, what Jane Foster looks like here. Um. Anyway. Uh. Also just before that. Uh, There's a scene with Jake talking on the phone to his fiancée, Hannah, about how he's never home. And he's he's always working too late. And also, Hannah Hannah has a daughter uh, named Amanda. Then we go to the docks. Everybody's converging on the docks. The Avengers are saving people. Thor shows up. And out of an explosion walks the Destroyer. We get a big splash page reveal of the Destroyer looking as cool as the Destroyer has ever looked.
0: Which is pretty fucking cool.
1: Yeah. The Destroyer is cool as shit. Energy crackling out of his hands. Benday dots all around. It's it's pretty dope. He gets a logo, too. (laughs) A Comic-Craft logo. Uh, The Avengers fight the Destroyer for a while and do really, like, really get fucked up pretty bad. Um,
0: When Captain America says Avengers Assembled, that also gets logo font. If there's a late 90s comic where Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America are talking to each other, you're going to see four fonts.
1: (laughs) It's true, because Iron Man, well, Iron Man didn't get a different font, but his word balloons had a red border around them. Uh, that made him look electron. That made it look electronic. I also think that every time Avengers Assemble was said in the Avengers book at this time, it was a logo too. Uh, nonetheless, they're fighting the destroyer. It's going poorly. The destroyer is talking throughout this. Destroyer really, really run this fucking mouth. Because what we'll find out is that this destroyer has been has been overtaken by the mind of, like, an angry soldier.
0: Yeah, that guy who touched it, who, when the they were unboxing the Destroyer. What's up, YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> uh, when they did the Destroyer unboxing video at the docks, they, they were also talking about, like, yeah, this guy's, like, in charge of this operation, but he fucking sucks and I hate him. And that guy was also there, and he touched the uh, Destroyer, and it exploded on him.
1: Yeah. So now he's mad and he wants to destroy her everything. And he's, he's like, I'm going to destroy the whole planet because I hated being a soldier. Uh, also in the midst of a door, like decides he's going to be the tank of this fight. And he goes in and starts fighting the destroyer one-on-one. So the other Avengers can save civilians. Jake Olsen is also trying to save civilians at getting people out. And he finds a woman pinned under a car. Like a destroyed car, and somehow musters to the strength to lift the car up enough for her to get out.
2: Jake holds pretty strong. Yeah, man. Dead lifts. Yeah. The destroyer get kind of gets the better
1: of Thor, and he ends up under a destroyed building, so he says. Though I be a warrior born, tis time for this battle to end. Let the world and those with evil hearts know full well why Thor, son of Odin, is called the God of Thunder. And he unleashes a big windstorm. Now, you could be reading this and think that the windstorm actually causes Jake Olsen to be killed. But they are unrelated events. But the windstorm is creating enough of a diversion that the Avengers don't notice that Jake Olsen, as he's trying to save the woman who was pinned under the car, is then killed by flying debris when the car explodes. Yeah. The windstorm also doesn't knock down the Destroyer. And eventually, the Destroyer's like, you know what? Fuck this. And he opens his visor. And by all indications, melts Thor. Yeah, he
0: murders Thor. You see Thor's dead-ass body. It looks like he has melted.
1: I think he's supposed to be just like lying in a pool. Like a pool of water. But the way the art looks in the very last panel of this issue, it looks like his arms have melted. Yeah. It really does. (laughs) So here's my theory about the end of this issue, Chris. Because what was Dan Juergens known as known for at this point, more than anything else? The death of Superman. The death of Superman. So I think Dan Juergens and the editors decided, why don't we just do death of Thor first story?
0: So do you think they were doing it as like a fake out? Yeah. Like- yeah. Like oh we're gonna you know people are gonna think that it's gonna be like Eric Masterson being Thor we're gonna kill Thor and replace him with with uh, Jake Olson. Well, I mean Jake Olson dies too,
1: and and again if you'd been reading like the promo stuff like I had you know that Thor and Jake Olson eventually become the same you know com- conjoined. But I guess if you didn't know any of that. I do think that there's a whole like, hey, let's just get Death of Thor out of the way first thing here.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. Yeah. Like, if, you're, if your guy is known for being the Kill Superheroes guy, the Kill Superman guy, then yeah. G- address the question immediately, you know? Yeah. Uh, so what a great, you know... I can think of a couple of of first issues that end with the hero getting killed, and they're pretty good ones. Question number one by Daniel and Dennis Cowan, uh-huh. Starman number zero by uh, Robinson
2: Harris, and this—like those—are three pretty good comics. Yeah, three pre- pretty good comics. Thor, number two, also
1: has a fucking awesome cover.
0: This whole run, like, again, up to, like, number 25, the covers are pretty great, because it's all just John Romita Jr. drawing Thor fighting somebody, which is hard to fuck up.
1: This is Thor fighting the Destroyer, and the Destroyer is blasting this, like, hot pink energy out of its mask. And so the whole rest of the cover is just that hot pink energy stuff crackling out of the Destroyer. And it looks cool as shit.
0: Yeah, I love it when comics decide that, like, yeah, it, the hot pink. We're going with hot pink. Well, it just, it, like, it's bold, bright colors, right? It makes it pop. It's it's so good. Uh, like, especially trying- when Thor is in, you know, like his capes on the cover a little bit, but he's mostly like bright blue, bright yellow. Yeah. And so you put that against the big pink and it it's it really pops. It's a good cover. The alternate
1: cover for this issue that I also had is a little more subdued. It's uh Hella uh with Thor's ghost next to her standing over Thor's dead body. Um and it's also a John Romita cover so it's like it's all green to match Hella. oh it's pretty dope it's it's good but I, I actually like I think this covers better um, so uh, this one kicks off with another big like splash page image of Captain America Iron Man Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye we get all of their logos uh, <laughs> um, even though this is not this was not Captain America's logo at the time
0: that's, no, and that's, I don't think that was Scarlet Witch's logo either, because I don't think Scarlet Witch had a logo. They improvised that one. They improvised that one, yeah. Uh,
1: but they're all standing over Thor uh, saying, nobody does that to one of our ours. Nobody. Avengers,
0: assemble. That one's not a logo. I have then seen a- Hawkeye say that exact phrase so many times that i got to be like, I actually think people do that to one of yours fairly often. Pretty regularly, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, then page two is a baller, Kirby-style two-page spread of Iron Man, Hawkeye, Captain America, all taking the fight to the Destroyer. And hilariously, Captain America throws his shield at the Destroyer and just bounces off. Yeah, that one's uh, not going back. Uh, Hawkeye's arrow also bounces off, um, and then there's the title at the bottom, which is "Deal with the Devil."
0: I also like how Hawkeye's like, "Avengers Assemble, and we're gonna take this motherfucking down." He nobody does that to one of ours, and Iron Man's like, "Settle down, Beavis." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Captain America's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, cool it."
0: Yeah, hey Clint, maybe uh, uh, like we admire your enthusiasm, but uh, at the end of the day, you're a guy.
1: So, yeah. and then yeah the 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 destroyer the guy inside the destroyer whose name is Preston Case Colonel Preston Case uh who is talking he talks about how he's sick of the army he's sick of taking orders and Captain America's like the the armor's ruining your brain case and Captain America really tries to take the fight to him but he gets he gets power bombed <laughs>
0: It's a, the the exchange between him and and Captain America is actually like pretty fun because Captain America's like it's the power of the destroyer it's warping your mind and Chase is just like actually America sucks ass yeah and Cap's like what did you just
1: say and and then he's like you're a captain and I'm a colonel I don't rank you pretty funny uh, then uh, Scarlet Witch starts up a hex and she's going to try to save thor with it and then thor gets knocked off the side of the pier and into into the bay and uh is falling into the water there's a really moody page of him like underwater it's all black around him and there's this kind of like watery essence around him as he's like basically dying and then he shows up in Hell, and Hela is there, and she's like, "I got him! I finally got him! I got him!" And Thor's like, "I'm kind. Of, I'm still alive a little bit. I'm still alive a little bit." And then a new dude is there, a new dude who looks like Jack Kirby by way of John Remeter by way of a disc man. You talking about you talking about the pause button? I'm talking about Marnot.
0: Marnot, who I was like, oh, is this just like a, a character from mythology with which I am not familiar? And so I looked it up, and Google was like, did you mean Marmot? And I was like, no. And Google was like, are you sure you don't want to look at some pictures of marmots? And I was like, well, as long as you got them.
1: <laughs> we talked so much in the Groonies about Mark, Grunwald.
0: <laughs> Mark Grunwald's Mark Grunewald's endless roster of dudes who didn't get over. Dropping a new guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody, new guy just dropped. He's uh, he's Jack Kirby's disc man. Uh, that's Marnet here. Although
1: Marnet will be revealed to be someone from mythology eventually.
0: Yes, we do eventually get uh, a reveal from Marnet, but we do not have one now. We know he's we we just know he's an asshole, and we know he's an asshole because uh, when this uh uh prophetess lady uh, won't stop talking. Uh, He's like, you remind me of my ninth wife. (laughs) Which is not even true. She doesn't have a mouth anymore like the Matrix.
1: Yes, yes. So basically, Marnot is the devil that Thor's gonna make a deal with. And he's like, so, that whole thing about that big fight you had at the docks. There was a mortal who died, and you weren't even aware of it. You weren't even
2: paying attention. And that's, you know, you, you messed up. You, you
1: have to atone for this life that you didn't save. So you're not staying here in hell. You're still alive a little bit, like you said. But you're going to have to make a deal with me for you to get back and be alive again. You have to make a deal with me to restore this mortal's life that uh, that you let go to waste. And Thor's like, okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't quite understand why you're doing this, but if this is what it takes for me to get back, okay. Meanwhile, Jake's partner... His paramedic partner, Demetrius, shows up at Jake's fiance's apartment and breaks the news to her that Jake is dead. Yeah, so and they this both this is cry.
2: happening
0: at the exact same time. Yeah. Like, Demetrius went from the docks to Jake and Hannah's place. Or well, to Hannah's place, I guess, because she doesn't live with Jake.
1: Yeah, they live. They they have separate apartments. Yeah,
0: and is like, hey, I saw him die. I'm so sorry. So that's happening like concurrently. This is not later on.
1: Yes, at the same time.
0: Yes. Yeah, I
1: just think that's important uh, to know for later. Then we get back to the docks, and we see that now. By this point, the destroyer has built a throne out of debris, and is sitting on it. And he has taken Scarlet Witch's cape, Iron Man's chest piece, and Captain America's shield. And he's just hanging out with them, incapacitated, with his trophies. And he's telling everybody to bow to him. And then he notices Mjolnir, and he's like, oh my, a trinket I overlooked. And then he tries to lift it, and he can't. And that's when Thorgum's. Bursting through, and is like I'm the only one who can lift this motherfucker. Actual dialogue, and hit another two page spread. This one is not a it's not a double splash, but it's it's a two page spread of Thor just clung, chung, katang, chang, chung, hitting the destroyer with Mjolnir, and then creating. A, uh, a porthole, he calls He calls it a porthole, port which is very funny. A porthole through space in the fabric of time uh, to send the Destroyer away. Which is something that is addressed in the next issue of, like, why did he just do that to start with? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not the next issue, but...
2: It comes up later. later.
1: It comes up later, yeah. Uh. Thor unties the other Avengers. He's like, man, a lot happened. And so he's he's like, I gotta go rest. And so he leaves. And he's like, why am I feeling pulled to this converted warehouse in Soho? And he has gone back to Jake's apartment. And turns into Jake. Uh, he slams the hammer on the ground and turns into Jake. Just then Hannah shows up at Jake's apartment she, wa- she opens the door, she walks in and there's Jake old Two Towels Jake we call him having just gotten out of the shower, drying his hair and she's like, Jake? And he goes, who be you?
0: Which I always remember wrong.
1: Okay, what is your memory of the end of this issue?
0: Well, it's what it should be, which is, who art thou?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like he's doing half Shakespeare talk, half regular modern person talk. It's like, this is pirate talk, is what this is. It it is pirate talk. (laughs) You're right. He says that like a pirate.
2: (laughs) Who be ye? Who
0: art thou? Is what it should be. Who art thou? Yeah. If anybody ever tells you that they don't like uh, saying they for a singular person, just remind them that the singular they is older
2: than the singular you. True. True. Thor number three. Duel in the depths. This
1: one's got Thor swinging Mjolnir around in a big circle toward a giant sea creature that takes up the whole cover. Like, it's so big that its whole head won't fit on the cover, and that's fucking rad. Yeah, bud. It's also not the color that it is. Like, this cover is kind of teal. That's not the color that the sea creature is on the interior.
2: No. Absolutely not.
1: (laughs) Uh, this issue is titled God and Man, and it starts with a splash page of Jake in his two towels, because he's two, two-towel Jake, and uh, and an image of Thor behind him as if to show that this is Thor speaking. And now he's not talking in Shakespeare talk. He's talking in modern speech, saying, dead me? Do I look like a dead man? And he, he basically lies to Hannah that the destroyer didn't kill him. He was just roughed up a bit. I guess, you know. To gaslight her, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is a real like there is a weird compulsion on uh Jake slash Thor right now, where he's having a lot of trouble. Like, he does talk in the story about, he's like, yeah, wh- like, I'm thinking like Thor, but when it comes out of my mouth, it's it's not the way I talk, it's the way Jake Olson talks, and I kinda know where he works. So there's a lot of weird stuff going on, there's a lot of weird Thor internality in
2: the yeah. story.
0: Yeah, well, so,
1: when he made the deal with Marnot. One of the things Marnot said was, you can't let anybody know that Jake and Thor are the same person. Like, You just have to live as Jake. And nobody is supposed to learn that you're Thor. Don't let on that. So that's what he's trying to do here. He also doesn't know anything about Jake, except what he's been told, which is that he is a paramedic. So he knows he knows that much. But he doesn't know who Hannah is. He doesn't know that Jake is engaged. And so he's like not even calling her by her name. He says, why are you here, woman?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thor, also... This is... the, The run doesn't fall apart here. But... I do feel like... Jurgens kind of loses the plot a little bit cuz he loses both Thor he loses Thor cuz Thor should know better like this is like Thor has been around right <laughs> like like Thor knows how to talk to people Thor had a secret identity before you know yeah uh but also also I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Hannah's the worst character in this book. And so far of what we've read, she is the worst character in this run. She's the worst thing about the run. And here's why. And it's not, this is not a like Skylar White thing. This is how this character is written. She's really annoying. And she's really, she is written very, Very shrewishly, honestly. Like, in this issue, she's like, Jake, you're not dead! I thought you were dead! And he's like, oh yeah, I was down at the docks. The fucking destroyer was there. Uh, But I'm okay. And she's like, great, pick up my kid. Or I'll (laughs) fucking kill you. And then bails. It's very
1: sitcom-y. I guess is the way to say it. It's a way to... I think the idea for Jurgens here is he wants to put Thor in a situation that Thor has never been in before. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is, okay, we're going to make Thor this guy. He doesn't know anything about his life. He doesn't know any of the people in his life. So like when Hannah's talking here, Thor as Jake is saying like, okay, they're engaged. Okay. She has a daughter. Her name is Amanda. Um, I don't know what Amanda looks like, so how can I go pick her up? But also, like Thor, when he speaks as Thor, he kind of sounds like a jerk because he, he calls her woman twice. And it's not until the second time that she's like, what did you say? It, you know, it's very it selective. very
0: justified. The fuck did you just say to me?
1: Yeah, but it's a very selective, like, she picks up on him acting weird at specific times that are Like when Dan Jurgen's the writer wants that to happen, you know. But at no point is she like, "What's going on with you?" It's just like later when she's like, "Jake's acting weird," you know, Matt. When it's incredibly obvious that something really weird is going on with him,
0: Matt. Here's a little also. If if our friend Ben Gully Mm -hmm. told me you died, right? And then I got a text from you. My first question would not be, do you still want to do the show tonight? <laughs> <laughs> like, what were you going to do if Jake was dead? What was like, are you, is she leaving? And she's going to call up her, like her mom and be like, don't worry about picking up Amanda. Uh, turns out that, uh, that Jake is alive. It, it,
1: it's 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 weirdly getting right into a sitcom plot.
2: Yeah,
0: and it's like as far as she knows, this motherfucker still almost died. Like he is—he's fucking Lazarus right now. You know, they're both, they're both being extremely weird in yeah, this. No, scene. Like it's—it's it's not just it, it. It's certainly not just her. It, it's also like the entire interaction. It's Thor being weird around her. It's Jake in general seems like he kinda sucks. Like that's a thing that I'm really interested in, because I don't remember if Jake Olson sucks actually. <laughs> and I think it's very funny. I mean he's not presented is, he's not presented in the first issue
1: as a guy who sucks.
0: No, but like he is presented as like kind of a Peter Parker. He's he's always late, yeah. right? And, and he's working all the time yeah yeah and her whole thing is like i can't really be mad at him he's a paramedic so you know it's not like he's not like he's out with the boys he's out saving people from car accidents or whatever but then also amanda hates him and it's oh, not yeah. really clear if that's because like just because like you know he's the guy dating her mom or if like he sucks i, I mean i think it's established that he's a
1: flake or at 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 minimum like he he's working all the time so he doesn't show up for things. Yeah. And and I think you're right. He's a Peter Parker. And and this whole setup is the Peter Parker ring of Thor. Yeah. In a very clear way, like without a doubt. So that sequence ends Thor's like, what am I going to do? I don't I don't know, even know who Amanda is. I don't know anything about this guy's relationships. I'm not equipped to deal with this. And he's saying all this out loud to himself, by the way. Then we get a very weirdly modern, relevant sequence where a submarine is investigating an old Norse ship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Im- it, it doesn't implode. It's crushed by a sea monster
0: controlled by Sedna the sea spirit which you know if that were to happen it would probably just look like it imploded that's true are are we starting a new conspiracy theory here i'm just saying i'm just saying what did dan jurgens know and when did he know it
1: 25 years ago yeah yeah uh so it is mentioned later in the issue um sedna is actually a goddess from Inuit myth so so Dan Jargis is pulling some some mythology here for this character
0: uh I enjoy Sedna because she has come to the south uh, she has she has come south from like the North Pole. <laughs> And it's like, Alaska. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's too fucking hot out here. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I don't even have all my magic powers. It's so fucking hot. It's but you crazy.
1: know what? You, you know what? Check out this cool Norse boat. There's jewels here, and I'm taking them.
0: Yeah. She's like so uh, she when Rikishi was a heel. That's right. <laughs> he was really into bad jewels. Uh, there's a quick scene with Demetrius
1: and Hannah where Demetrius is, we get a, a brief sense that Demetrius is up to something. And this is going to turn out to be something where he's stealing pharmaceuticals from the hospital. Um, he's, he's a dirty paramedic, which is not a trope I've seen a lot of in the past. Uh, But Hannah basically shows up and goes, oh, you remember how you told me Jake was dead? He's not. He's alive. I talked to him. And Demetrius is like,
0: I saw him die. (laughs) I saw him get impaled like Tuxedo Mask. Yeah. So. And then he's like, hey, sorry
1: for telling you your fiance was dead. And she says, well, you'll just have to buy me dinner. That is. Yeah actual conversation.
0: She sucks, dude.
1: <laughs> uh Thor then has another com- conversation with Marnot cuz Thor is like, "Hey, I'm just going to quit being Jake Olson."
0: That's fun. <laughs> Thor is like, "Yes, it sucks. Thus the son of Odin shall hit the bricks." <laughs>
1: I'm just going to be Thor all the time, but I'm not going to be Jake Olson anymore. Thor, out! And Marnot's like, no, nope, no deal. You you have to be Jake Olson. There's no way you get out of this. And there's an actually funny scene where Jake is by the appearance of everyone else on the street, is talking to no one. Because he's the Thor is the only person who can see Marnot. So people are walking by saying like,
0: what is up with this guy? Who's he talking to? Every time you say Marnot, my brain goes Angelad <laughs> I'm like, Nope, not not right. Not correct.
1: Uh so Sedna comes rolling in to the city. She's like, Hey, I got I got these jewels and now I'm gonna take out my wrath. And now you're like uh,
0: mommy horny.
1: Now I'm going to take out my wrath here on New York City. And I'm going to make waves hit buildings. And Jake's like, how do I turn back into Thor? How do I turn back into Thor? And uh, he pounds his fist on the ground, and that turns him back into Thor. And he's like, oh, right, just like when I was Donald Blake, Dr. Donald Blake. Uh, and Thor said in a fight for a while. Sedna leads him out back into the, over the water and then the sea creature who is like kind of a uh turquoise. No, not turquoise. Uh maroon. Like a, I guess like a, like a mauve? Like a mauve, yeah. I don't know why I thought turquoise. That's the color Sedna is. Yeah. The the sea creature is kind of like a maroon or a mauve. Uh it pops up. It grabs Thor, Sedna grabs Thor, takes him underwater, and then he gets stuck underwater. Meanwhile, Amanda is waiting at school for Jake to show up, and he's not there. And she's thinking about how he's a loser. And then she is confronted by some gangbangers.
0: And we get, like, there's a weird lettering thing. Was this in the version that you read where uh, they're like, you're looking like you lost your best friend? Yeah, kinda like and then there's like an M dash and the next yeah. caption box is M dash apostrophe in your sorrows. Which is kind of yeah, like drowning in your sorrows because Thor is drowning. Yeah. But yeah. it makes it look like he's like, Yeah, you lost your best friend. Kinda like you're fucking in your sorrows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like these guys don't seem that mean, but later it's going to be discussed how they were a threat to Amanda.
0: Yeah, they're just black. They're just Which black. Is not great. Uh,
1: I, I do not care for that specific story
0: element of this issue. Um, I, I, I want to make completely clear. Yeah, this um, one, by far, kind of the worst of of the five that we read to start things off. This issue is the worst because, like, the Hannah stuff is bad. The yeah. Thor interaction with her is bad. The like, it's it's all it's all just bad. Like, like, it's, it's is not very fun. She's not very memorable,
1: uh, and she's dispatched very easily in the next issue. But like, yeah, it's it's weird. It, it feels like it's Jurgens like really trying to kick off the premise of the book, right? Where Thor has to share a life with this mortal guy, Jake Olson. But it feels weirdly contrived in ways that the book had not felt
0: before that. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah, Yeah. like the the first two issues I think are actually like really strong. Yeah, they're great. Number one. But alas.
1: Let's see if issue four picks up picks things up. Uh, this cover has Thor and Namor on the cover. And there's a blurb that says, Side by side with Namor the Submariner. And you know Namor's a logo. And uh, it's kind of like a Carolina blue behind them as they fly over <laughs> the city. That's right. Thor wants you to know that Duke sucks. <laughs> uh, this issue starts with... Not a splash page, uh, but it starts off in Asgard with uh, two threats emerging. These are the people that Thor freed back in the first issue, and uh, their names are Adva and Pericus, And... Basically, what we get from their conversation is that they've been held prisoner by Odin for a long, long time, and they wonder if Thor is around, but he, he they don't think he is. They can't sense him, so he must be dead. And I guess that is a reference to how he's Jake Olson now, so they, they can't sense Thor anymore. Yeah. Uh, the title of this issue is From the Ashes. It starts with uh, Thor and Sedna still in the water. And because Thor is underwater and away from Mjolnir for a while, because he threw Mjolnir at the sea monster and it swallowed it, he turns back into Jake Olson, And he is only saved by Namor, who conveniently shows up. And Sedna knows exactly who he is. Like, Sedna and Namor have history. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Sedna has appeared in previous stories. Oh, okay. I
1: believe, yeah. I didn't know that. I thought Sedna was just brought in for this. Uh, But that makes sense even more, why uh, she and Namor would have history. Uh, Let's see, Sedna... Nope, this is her first appearance.
0: Really? I could have sworn I saw a footnote. Maybe my brain just auto-completed that nope oh, this
1: is her this is her first appearance. I think, yeah, she has two appearances well, on Earth six one six,
0: I guess I was incorrect,
1: <laughs> but somehow she and uh and Namor know each other. I guess they hang out in the ocean together all the time. uh Namor lets Jake swim back to the surface and get a breath and uh, he fights with Sedna for a while, then he fights with the sea monster for a while, and Jake tries to reach out and call Mjolnir back, and it takes him a while, and he has to yell a lot, but finally he gets Mjolnir to come out of that sea monster's fucking throat. <laughs> that shit owns. Actually. And it makes it
2: makes the sound effect glutch. And yes, it does own. Yeah, been- I like that in order to
0: get Mjolnir back, he just had to yell at it like Thor. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is pretty good.
1: Uh. Also, throughout this, Hannah calls Demetrius. And she's like, where's Amanda? I'm getting worried. And where's Jake? Can you... And and Demetrius is like, hey, I'll go check on Amanda. The school's not far from here. And Hannah's like, sure. And then it pulls back, and we see that Demetrius is doing a drug deal.
0: Yeah, he's like, hang on a second. Yeah, here's your money. <laughs> yeah. Which is, oh boy. I appreciate a- Jake Olson having a black best friend, but not that. He's the only black character in the book, and is a secret drug dealer.
1: He's he's sell, illegally selling prescription drugs to somebody, to shadowy figures. Yeah, in
0: that that's purple not, vest. It's
1: not so good. Not so good. Uh, but anyway, Demetrius is like, I'll go pick up Amanda. So, Amanda will be picked up. Don't worry. Uh, Thor turns back into Thor and he grabs that sea creature by its like tendrils and heaves that bo- that boy <laughs>
0: <laughs> he does throw it <laughs> and like can't have thrown it far it looks like it's pretty far i mean like pretty far yeah but probably not like more than more than a mile <laughs> it's it's really it's kind of like when you nudge like, when you nudge your dog. Like, when I nudge Biscuit to get out of yeah. It's like, hey, get on. Like, get out of here. Or, like, when she's trying to get up, like, I'm eating pizza, and she's trying to get up on it, and I kind of, like, just shove her away a little bit. Like, I'm just like, hey. It's more of a hey, get out of here than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Uh, then Sedna
1: rolls up, and she's like, hey, Thor. Why don't you look in my eyes and join me? And Thor's like, maybe I will.
0: Maybe I will. I am know.
1: lonely. And then Namor's like... Don't come on, man. <laughs> Don't do that. Thor. Come on. And then finally said it's like, It's too hot here. I gotta go. So I sympathize. Yeah. And then Namor leaves too. And uh and he's like, Hey, who's that guy? Who's that who's that dude? And Thor's like, Oh, he probably swam to the city. Uh don't worry about him.
0: <laughs> and then we're like, Are you sure? Because we're kind of like far out. Yeah.
1: But like if you say so. Then uh Demetrius and Hannah and Amanda are all at home. And Hannah's like, I can't believe Jake forgot Amanda. And Amanda's like, that
0: dude sucks. Hey, you know you know what all you know what I want to say here, real quick. Sure. You know what City is pretty easy to get around on foot?
1: Uh New York Manhattan?
0: Yeah. The island of Manhattan, pretty easy. In fact, I would say waiting on someone to come pick you up like in a car. Is I don't know, man. I think maybe Amanda could make her own way home. How old do you think she is? 13? Yeah, probably about 13. Probably about 13. She's old enough to be like, that guy's a creep.
1: He sucks. This is the second example in the book of like a a thing happening in New York that is not very New York, like that two story daycare in the middle of Times Square.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. So next to, next to the Flatiron Building, yeah, right next to the Flatiron Building, yeah, the Daily Bugle. So, you know, who can say? Who can say? Yeah, so they're uh, all just like talking shit about Jake. And it's almost enough to make you sympathize because you want to be like, man, he was almost fucking that uh sea monster lady.
1: Yeah. Well Demetrius stands up for him, but yeah.
0: Demetrius is like, come <laughs> on. He was probably just trying to fuck out Sea Monster Lady. <laughs> and then Jake walks in and immediately like burns all the goodwill that I have for him by going, Hey everybody, got my picture on the dartboard yet? Yeah, real sad sack behavior from Jake. <laughs> It's like okay, mo- okay, dude. I was but on then, your side, and now you're doing this. But then Hannah
1: reacts terribly. She's like, "Jake Olson, how could you? Since when do you cast young girls
0: onto the cruel streets alone?" And it's like, "Come on, man, Hannah. That's a bit. That freezing is a little dramatic."
1: She says she's terrified, Jake, just as anyone would be after being hassled by gangbangers.
0: Meanwhile, Amanda's just like, like this is pre-smartphone, but it feels like she has a smartphone out, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, she should be playing Jake
0: Pokemon like, Red.
1: Jake is like, hey, I went to the school, but Amanda was gone by then. Because he did show up, like I don't know, probably two hours late. And then finally he's like, I gotta go. I can't handle this. Uh, and he goes, "Thou hast my apologies, milady," which is not the only time he says "milady," which also does not strike me as like Thor Shakespeare. It strikes me as I don't know what, yeah, but
0: it unfortunately has a modern day context where I'm like, Ugh.
1: "Are you are you tipping your fedora at her, Jake?" Uh, anyway, he he leaves. And Hannah goes after him, but she doesn't find him on the roof because he's already turned into Thor and left. And then she's finally she's like, "What happened to you on the docks? What changed you?"
0: I don't know. Maybe it was that um, explosion that he was caught in while he was saving people's lives. Hannah. Yeah. Uh.
1: Then the, finally, which,
0: which was earlier today. <laughs>
1: by the way. That's true. Then finally, in a world unknown to our own, Adva and Paracus arrive to meet up with their boss, Magiston Zelia, who looks cool as hell, has an extraordinarily cool hat, and is definitely, once again, doing that John Romita by way of Jack Kirby thing.
0: A cool, a cool hat with like it's got all the tuning f- forks it's got yes, all the tuning forks, only one eye, it looks like it's made of bones, she's got a chalice, she's got a chalice and a throne, yeah, shoulder pads, fringe, she's cool,
1: Zelia, cool, yes, she also has Odin held hostage.
0: Odin, who's uh, got a thick body and some thick chains.
1: There's a splash page of Odin in the chains and then, like, a big heavy metal thing above him.
0: That he's holding up. Yes. Kirby as hell. Yeah, it's it's like, it's this very simple death trap of she's got him chained up and he has to, like, hold on to these things. And if he lets go, the thing will fall down and crush him. But, like, it's very... Jack Kirby unnecessarily designed. Yeah, I love it. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. Uh then we get one last scene where Thor has gone to a bar called the Merry Peddler and uh he's having a drink with a bunch of the dudes at the bar and there's some narration about how even a god can be lonely. You talked about the lettering earlier. This stuff is my one example of Marvel Comics from this time where the lettering is not so good. Anytime there's like a sign on a building and the lettering is like obviously on a different layer from the art. Yeah. And it doesn't blend with the art at all.
0: Yeah. It's so noticeable.
1: Yes. It was noticeable in issue one, too. It's even more noticeable here. It just looks like letters floating over a sign in a building. And I don't like it. It's it's my top complaint about the lettering from this era.
2: Yeah.
0: Artists, you got to draw the sign. You got to I'm draw sorry. The sign. I wish it wasn't the case. It's easier for you to draw the sign.
1: There might be a better way to make the lettering blend now. And make it a lettering
0: element, but yeah, but it's also one of those things where it's like, like, how much was, how much was, uh, was, who, who, how much was Richard Starkings getting, uh, getting paid for this? You know,
2: That's Richard Starkings
0: question. was dealing in volume at the time. Everyone at Comic Craft, yeah, it was, it was not worth the time that it would take to do it right. That's, that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, our last issue of this uh,
1: jerky into mystery is Thor number five. Uh, this cover has the blurb: "My hammer, my enemy," and it's got this kind of like black and purple background where it's all these bende dots, and there's a face in the the kind of
0: in the crackle.
1: In the field behind Thor, and um his ham and Mjolnir is doing this like weird kind of melting effect where it looks like it's attacking Thor and it's all blurred
0: out and it looks pretty cool. I I like this cover. In classic Marvel Comic style, that does not happen in this issue. <laughs> it's, it sorta of happens. It but happens not... for exactly one panel in this issue. <laughs> that that's, that is true. So, uh this issue opens
1: with all of our favorite Marvel characters waking up in the morning listening to the Chucky Diamond show which it's going to become clearer and clearer as this Thor as this Thor run goes on. The early bits of this Thor run are Dan Jurgens in Thor doing new gods.
0: Yeah, interesting. You know, I hadn't made that connection. Yeah. But yeah, it is very much it it is it's thor in in and versus the new gods. It's thor versus new gods, yeah. Yeah. That I had not made that connection,
1: Matt. That's that's the whole de- like it seems as though Magistan Zelia is kind of a riff on Darkseid. And. Uh,
0: I mean, the throne in Talos would, would lead to that conclusion.
1: Yeah. Um, she is ultimately, as the ruler of the dark gods, Jurgens' take on Darkseid. And this is Jurgens' take on Glorious Godfrey, the uh, Chucky Diamond.
0: Yeah, but but he's not He at least in this issue, he's not one of the gods. He's just an asshole. He's, he's just, just a, asshole, uh, yeah. a a Rush Limbaugh type. Yeah.
1: Well he's like a mix of Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. I I don't remember if he turns out to be one of the Dark Gods or not, to be quite honest, but he's definitely in some ways at least a riff on Glorious Godfrey. Um yeah.
0: I guess we'll we'll learn more as we go. But again, um, I do like that the like his criticisms like his whole talking point about Thor is that same thing of like this guy goes around talking about how he's a god.
1: Yeah. And continuing... he also he also says what the reader would say, which is, "Hey, why didn't he make a porthole through space and time to get rid of the destroyer at the beginning?"
0: <laughs> Uh look, it's very easy for all of us to to be armchair Odin sons. That's true. Uh but like I, I do like that he's that Jurgens is continuing to like billboard the the god versus mortal aspect of this. Like, what does it mean to be a god? What does it mean to be a mortal? Like I think that's that's pretty cool. I think that's yeah. pretty interesting.
1: So Peter Parker wakes up, Ben Grimm wakes up, Tony Stark wakes up, Tony Stark wakes up and they're all listening to Chucky Diamond. They all think he's a hot a uh, uh, full of hot air and an asshole but they listen to him anyway. Uh and then is that supposed to be who is that in the last panel? Who has like the Avengers Captain America and Thor posters?
0: I is it Rick Jones? No, can't Jones cuz he was Captain Marvel, he would have had the quantum bands on. I don't know who that's supposed to be in
1: the last panel there.
0: Yeah, it's but not, it's it's Peter Parker. Yeah. Ben Grimm, Tony, Tony Stark. Stark, and then some guy.
1: And then somebody. And I don't know who that's supposed to be. <laughs> it's it's not Reed Richards. It's somebody It's not who Jake sleeps Olson. in cargo pants. It's not Jake Olson cuz he's got the wrong hair. Yeah. I don't know who that's supposed to be. Um but oh, anyway. Oh,
0: Matt. It's the uh it's the, the bad guy in this issue. It's the the the, the FedEx driver. It's the Fed yes, okay. Which I we did go. not get until just now, but that's, that's okay. he's wearing the uniform that we see him. Okay.
1: Here. Yeah. Good to figure that out. Uh then we get a two page splash of Thor riding Mjolnir through New York and it rules. This art is fantastic and I love it.
0: I love that I I love it when you see people flying in like non-standard ways. Yeah, I remember Chris Haley drawing a thing where it was like Superman's not like jumping or diving or anything. He could be you could be however he wants to be when he's flying, and so it was just kind of him, you know, like arms at his sides, legs limp, just kind of like moving forward. And this picture is, it's very, it's I mean, it's very specifically like Orion esque. Uh, like yeah. in terms of Kirby, because he's got the hammer in front of him. It's like he's doing a row.
2: Yes, but he's yes, moving it's forward.
0: That is exactly right. He's on the <laughs> rowing machine with Milner. Uh,
1: then we get a couple of pages of Chucky Diamond and his show, uh, talking about how much Thor sucks. Like, I, he, he's like oh, all the superheroes suck except you know Captain America. He's okay, but. Uh, but Thor, like he just thinks he's a god and he can do whatever he wants. But he's he he's no good. Like why didn't he? Again, why didn't he make a porthole through space and time to begin with? Uh, then Thor goes and transforms into Jake Olson. He goes to uh, the hospital and talks to uh, Jane Foster, and he says, "Milady Jane." And Jane's like, what? <laughs> what? Uh and then he's like, Oh, uh, yeah, I'm Jake Olson. We've met before. And Jane's like, no, we haven't. <laughs> and oh, we also see the uh the FedEx guy in his van for a second. Uh but basically he talks to Jane for a while and he's like, uh, there's something important I have to tell you. And he basically wants to tell her that he's Thor but then Keith Kincaid shows up Jane Jade's wife, Jade's husband
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh and then he's like I, I should leave and so he leaves without saying anything and then we learn that Hannah actually works at the hospital she's a computer expert at the hospital yeah Jake and Demetrius get in their ambulance and are sent off on a call uh for a heart attack Uh, We see inside the FedEx guy's van, which is full of, like, Avengers toys. Jake in the uh, ambulance turns off the Chucky Diamond show because he doesn't want to hear it anymore. And Demetrius is like, you love this show. And he's like, not anymore. Uh, Then we see Jake tending to the guy who supposedly had a heart attack. And... He's like, it's not a heart attack. There's an obstruction in his larynx. And I've got to do a uh, cricothyrotomy. And Demetrius is like, you're not trained for that. But Jake rips out a a scalpel and does it anyway. He's like, Demetrius, I'm doing it. And uh, he's like, I learned from the best. Dr. Donald
0: Blake. Yeah, because because uh, Jane's listening in on the on on the radio, yeah. and is like, "Don't fucking stab that dude in the throat." Yeah. And he's what? Bring him to the hospital. Bring him to the hospital, and he's like, "It's too. It'll be too late."
2: Can't do it.
1: Uh, and and he busts out Thor voice when Demetrius is trying to stop him, and he says, "I say thee nay," in the Thor font. And Jen's
0: like, the fuck did you just say?" Um, I gotta say, even even cops, because there's cops there, even cops should be able to tell the difference between somebody choking and somebody having a heart attack. Yeah, it does. That does seem pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, you know, like this might not be a heart attack. Jake, the man's not breathing. He's got no pulse, and he's turning blue. What else could it be? I don't know man I don't know if they can't tell that maybe Demetrius should not be a paramedic
1: also there is a pretty funny moment where uh, somebody asks one of the cops like hey if the guy dies if he does this and the guy dies is Jake going to go to jail is this guy going to go to jail or what and one of the cops is like probably
0: (laughs) yeah the cops stand around being as useful as they usually are
1: That's right. Oh, what he says is, if if it isn't, you got yourself a heck of a lawsuit, Mrs. Spilari. Then at the radio station, the FedEx driver goes bursting into Chucky Diamond's studio, and he pulls a gun out of the FedEx box and uh, attacks Chucky Diamond. And he's like, "You're you're saying a bunch of stuff that you shouldn't be saying. You're you're like Loki and the Absorbing Man." So he loves the MCU, this guy. Jake hears about that on the radio. And so he goes to the to the studio, to the radio studio, and he bursts through the wall again, another classic Thor wall burst. And uh and says cease thy actions base one, so commands Thor, so shall it be. And uh he throws the hammer between Chucky Diamond and the uh it's not FedEx. The guy works for Fax.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's what it's Federal something. Federal American Express.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh
1: and he he separates Chucky Diamond and the guy. The hammer goes toward Chucky Diamond for a second and Chucky Diamond's like, "Hey, what gives?" And that's the moment where the hammer like grows eyes and tendrils for a second. Yeah, and it's like, bah. and Thor's like, "What the fuck was that?" But then the the delivery driver guy's like, "I was doing this for you, man. I was doing this for you, Thor. I was defending you." And Thor's like, "Fuck off, dude." He says, "The son of Odin needs no protector, least of all one who would act with violence." And so the guy gets arrested and chucky diamond's like hey hey man um it's all just showbiz right like you know it's just a show uh could you could you do a promo for us and thor goes if doing so would end the threat of ragnarok forever still might i refuse to do so and then chucky diamond goes oh so mr bigshot has an attitude and when thor flies off his toupee comes off
0: my favorite uh, thing about this issue is when Thor stops the guy from killing Chucky Diamond, and then he goes, uh, The son of Odin needs no protector, least of all one who would would act with violence, yeah. <laughs> which is interesting because i don't i mean i i don't know have you ever heard of Thor ever being associated with like people who do violence? Or doing violence himself. Like mortals who really like Thor and also do violence? Like perhaps they go a Viking oh. down the coasts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about in 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 our actual world. Yeah. And in and in the Marvel universe. That's true. Uh we do get two quick last pages here where we learn that the Dark Gods. Led by Magistan Zelia, have completely transformed Asgard into their like fucking nine inch nails industrial zone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they've really turned it into the uh, the Foot Clan warehouse from the <laughs> yeah. Ninja Journals. It's all black
1: and red, and it looks like a factory. And they they have just completely transformed the place. Uh, And now, now Asgard is theirs. The Dark God's own Asgard. And uh, next issue,
0: Hercules. So that's where we'll start back. As if that wasn't enough. Yeah. So that's very exciting. Ups and downs to start. Ups and downs. Ups and downs to start, buddy.
1: Uh, And, and, We'll see if things smooth out as we continue. Uh, folks, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to email us about the Jurgies or within Every Story Ever list or some other reason you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also get in touch with us on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter as long as that website still exists. I guess it's not called that anymore, but I'm not going to call it the other thing. We're at War Rocket Pod there. Uh, you can join our Discord, which I would highly recommend doing. Uh, just ask us for an invitation on one of the places I just mentioned or our Patreon, and we'll get you an invitation if you ask us nicely. That is really going to be the place where we start taking listener questions uh, pretty soon, I think. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. Uh, There's also warrocketwiki.com, which is the fan repository of all the information you could ever need about this humble show, War Rocket Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my social medias, and my other podcasts. I should put my Blue Sky account
0: there, and I will. Chris, where can people find you? I mean, I'm on Blue Sky, but... But I don't want people following me there either. You can follow me. You follow Matt. I mean, like, look, like you can follow me, but like, I'm probably not gonna gonna post on there. Just like I've done really some posts on the bad website anymore. Yeah, I've done some good goofs on Blue Sky. Um, oh so. I should check Blue Sky more often. I want to see you doing good goofs. I've only put one thing up on on Blue Sky, and it is it's how I feel inside. You, you, you've, yes, it is. It is. I
1: can never think of that Usagi Ojimbo panel without thinking of you for the rest of my life.
0: It is. It, it. I have internalized it in the same way as I have internalized. Like beats me why most dudes suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I did a very funny Junji Ito joke on Blue Sky that is doing numbers, and you can go help make it do more numbers, listener. I'll show you my Jinji
0: Ito joke when we finish recording, Chris. Okay, please do. Uh but yeah. That does it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed your first steps on this End into mystery. Uh ups and downs. Ups and downs. Great and first and issue gets a little gets a little iffy. We do have quite a ways to go.
1: Uh this run on Thor, this Dan Jurgens run on
0: Thor, lasts. 77 issues. I I feel like I am looking forward to number 25 mm-hmm. the way I was looking forward to, to 350. cap three fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it goes for 50 more issues after that. Over we'll, 50 more issues after that.
0: We'll figure it out. We'll see it. We'll see it and we'll see what happens. We hope you'll join us for that. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, folks, do not forget. Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights.
1: Drag is not a crime. And cops
0: aren't your friends. But we love you. We love you.
2: Yeah! Flash.